Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't know about you, but I often fancy a midweek beer. Or five. Only without having to deal with the anxiety the next morning. That's why Rule the Roost have partnered with Infinite Session for Sober October. I started exploring alcohol-free beers during lockdown, and this is when I first discovered Infinite Session, became a big fan of their IPA. So imagine my delight when I found out that the owners, Tom and Chris, are also Spurs fans, and, importantly for my ego, listeners of Rule the Roost. Small world. I've come to realise that it's often the taste of beer and the ritual of cracking open a tin to enjoy with the football that I'm craving, rather than the alcohol itself. So whether you're on a health kick, or want to be guilt-free and clear-headed for tomorrow's big meeting, with Infinite Session, you can still enjoy the same refreshing feeling of indulging in a craft beer, but with zero alcohol and no compromise on taste or quality. They're gluten-free, low-sugar, low-calorie, and for Sober October, you can save 20% off any purchases at infinitesession.com with the code RTR20. You can also find them in the alcohol-free aisle in your nearest Big Sainsbury's, but if you do want to take advantage of the offer, visit infinitesession.com and use the code RTR20. Up the Spurs! Hello everybody, welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. The podcast, along with most other podcasts and most other outlets of Tottenham Conversation that ask the question, can we? I put that question to you, Mr. Billy T, of, can I say you're of Hometown Glory? Because, I mean, Billy T comes before Hometown Glory, but you are now of Hometown Glory, right? The Hometown yeah, Glory podcast. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I, I say that up front, mate. Can we? No, nah. <laughs> Def- definitely not, mate. Definitely not. No? But not unless- possibility? Could we, though? Could we? I mean... I mean, no. I mean, we can't surely, but I d- well, can we? Can I, we? I, I don't know. Will I mean? Will I mean? Will well, okay? Will we is a very different question. So probably not. Will we? But I mean, we could. We could. I mean, we definitely, definitely could. I think that's as much as I'm willing to say at the moment is we could. And that in itself is a mad thing to think, isn't it? Like that we actually could. I mean, we we really, really, really could. I mean, and like last year, year before. We wouldn't even be in the could stage, but now we actually could. I mean, you might almost say we should. And Kulisevsky has as good as said that today. I don't, it might have been yesterday after the game or it might be earlier this morning. I'm not sure. But I've seen his quotes today to Dan Kilpatrick, a um, mutual friend of ours, you know, just uh, name dropping a bit there, you know. Um, although <laughs> it's, not, it's not a big name to drop, is it? Most of Spurs Twitter seems to be on Dan's back half the time. But leave him alone. Yeah. He gets paid by Levy, doesn't he, for his articles? So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Kulisevsky has said that Tottenham need to take advantage of the fact we're not in Europe this year and it gives us an advantage over, and he said, our title rivals. He's got a point, hasn't he? So maybe could we should be, should be turned to should we? 
Yeah, I mean, like, there's been a quarter of the season now. It's not like it's not the beginning of the season anymore. There's a, qu- a quarter of the season that's gone, nine games into it. And I think, like, I don't, I don't, it's one of those weird things where I don't really want to, I'm not trying to get too carried away or anything, but if you're top of the league after nine games and you've won seven out of those nine games, if you can't start to think about it then, then when are you, what is, when are you ever going to really be able to do it? Like, it's not like, and the thing for me is as well, it's not like we've, we've scraped by the victories. Um, and we're sort of, you know, like last season, the same time last season when we were sort of winning games, it didn't really feel like we were winning games. We are just winning in scoreline and nothing else really. But this is like we're actually dominating teams. We're playing, playing the, uh, uh, you could argue, the best football in the league. I know Liverpool are playing some pretty good stuff as well at times. Man City and Arsenal kind of there and thereabouts, but they're probably both falling off from last season. So if you can't think about it now, then, then you know, when can we? I mean, it's... It's crazy that we're in this position, and it's it's true what you say. Like because at the moment we're in this, we've suddenly edged into this territory now where Spurs are no longer. Let's just pat them on the head. Oh, we quite like Ange Postecoglou. Like now, Liverpool hate Ange. Arsenal hate Ange. And at the start of the season, it was like, oh, Spurs might actually be quite likable because that's where Spurs are comfortable for a lot of these teams. It's where Spurs are comfortable for somebody like Gary Neville, who I always go on about on here. But he winds me up because he's very pat on the head. Oh, Tottenham are quite good, but they should know their place. He hates it the second we start stepping outside of this little box that he's placed us in because he played for Alex Ferguson's Manchester United when Tottenham were abysmal, let's be honest, like comparatively speaking. And now for nearly, should we say nearly? I mean, this is always a tough one. I was going to say nearly for 10 years now, Tottenham have been the better team than Man United. But in that time, we do have to be mindful of the fact they have won, I think, an FA Cup, a couple of League Cups. They've won a Europa League. So... Yeah, maybe it's it's a stretch for us to say we've been a, a better side, but at least our league form has generally been better than theirs. Let's let's put it that way. I would say we've qualified for the Champions League more times than they have definitely in the last decade. We've been to a Champions League final more recently than Manchester United have, lest we forget. So now, yeah, like you say, things are starting to turn a bit of a corner. Now it is a bit like, let's devalue. You, you, you asked the question, when can Spurs fans be excited about this maybe we should put this to somebody like troops who has said uh, that Tottenham you know we've had it easy so far but from, from my recollection we beat Fulham last night at home 2-0 whereas Arsenal drew at home 2-2 with a with a 10-man Fulham so uh, I mean I, I just do you think I mean to to put yourself into the mind of troops for a second Billy if you, if you want to go there um do you think, I mean, are we over-egging last night? I mean, are we allowed to be happy about that? I don't know. Like, was that, or was that just another routine win that Tottenham should have, routine I mean, game that Tottenham should have won? First of all, thank you for putting me in the mindset of troops. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a hospital pass, that one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think a couple of things. Firstly, um, the mental gymnastics that Arsenal fans are currently going through is a, an incredible thing to behold. I know they've got like, they're even, bear in mind, you know, like, you have like Paul Martin and people like that saying that we wouldn't even finish in the top half this season. And now, I don't know if you've seen this thing that they're doing at the moment where they're they're Googling our running in April. And like, <laughs> we're literally in, like, we're not even in fucking November yet. And they're, they're already thinking about the games that we have in April. And it's gone from like, oh, you know, they, they might, you know, Andrew's going to be sacked by before Christmas to now thinking they're actually going ahead and looking at their calendars in, in April. 
Um, and I'm loving that. I'm also loving this thing that they, they keep coming out with every single week that we played terrible, but we still won. This was their best ever game. And they've said that every single game this yeah, season. Yeah, like, yeah. I, lo- I love that. But my favorite thing that I saw this this week was um, a Man City fan. And I think, you know, you, you sort of made it when you're you're starting to get into the heads of Man City fans a bit. Where this man, it was it was coming after those the, the quotes from the press conference from Ange Postecoglou this week, which were brilliant as ever, and a, and a really really serious issue where he's talking about um, how when you hug a football fan, you you know you're not asking who they voted for and all this kind of stuff. And a Man City was fan, fan was like, oh, is anyone else getting bored of this guy being so nice? <laughs> being, being nice is something that you can get bored by. It's like when is he going to drop this gimmick? He's like, it's not a gimmick, mate. He's just genuinely like a nice person. I know they have to do with Guardiola, who's like pretty horrible, or you know when he called like. He called like the Wolves that um, he said like the Korean guy, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He went on to score the winner against them. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, As if being nice is a gimmick. So yeah, I think we're starting to rattle Man City fans as well, which is I think a a good sign to show how much progress that we've made. I mean, how can Man City fans even care anymore? What are they even bothered by? They they literally win every game. They've just won the treble. Like, how? What? What do they even get on? What is the point of them even having Twitter? Twitter is basically just a a place to like moan against other fans, and they just win every game. What is? What is even the point? Do you know? You know they're talking about doing this Super League thing, right? I I had an idea, and I was like, I don't know why nobody's thought of this one sooner. Why? If they wanted to make a Super League and all that type of thing, why don't they every year? And it stops these kind of these clubs hogging it all domestically. Wasn't the winner of that Super League, right? Winner, the winner of each respective domestic league, the next season competes in this Super League. So all the champions of, of all across Europe sit out a domestic season and they play a full season against all the other champions across the and league. Actually, yeah, I think that in theory is what the Champions League was supposed to be, wasn't it? And then it's, it's ended up being like the top five teams in Europe and like it doesn't really, you sort of, you're not really a champion if you finish fifth, are you? So yeah, no. I think. I don't know, man. I just that's a side point, anyway. That's a side point. I mean, to to to, to I mean, look, forget what everyone else is saying about us because that's always going to be a thing, right? We're, if we win a game, it's going to be great. If we lose against Palace on Friday, then it's going to be ha ha. This is Tottenham, all that type of thing, right? So we we know we think, know yeah. the script. Right? I think that I think a lot of this is just setting us up for later down the line because I I don't think any Tottenham fan, true at this stage, anyway. Um, for a reason we'll probably get onto later, believes that we're going to sustain a title chat or, you know, we're not like sort of realistically thinking about the title just yet. We've got a long way to go and we have a very threadbare squad. And I think all of this, I don't know if you saw there was some article where it's like 50% of Tottenham fans believe that they'll win the league or something like that. Some <laughs> absolute nonsense. It obviously is not true. And I think a lot of it is just setting us up later down the line for being like, you actually thought you were going to win the league? Yeah. And we don't really at this stage. We're just enjoying. And I, I think the, the thing I've, I've realised about this, the fan base this year is we're like, we basically hang off Andrew's every word and he is the one who's sort of saying, we're not really looking at that yet. We're just taking each game as it comes. And like he, he's got us into a point now of the fan base where we just, we basically just copy whatever he does. Um, and he's not getting carried away from himself. And I don't think any of the fans are either at the moment. And we just, and I, we're just enjoying it. And like, we've been so starved recently of, of any kind of thing to cling on to um, for a good four years, really. We've had a couple of patches here and there under Marino and Conte that were enjoyable, but then they were both very, very quickly turned around. And like, it's just I'm just absolutely loving every second of it, and I'm not really interested in you know what happens in May. I'm just interested in the next game. I, I know I was listening to your podcast last night on the way home, and I, I'm absolutely obsessed at the moment. Like I, I can't wait for every single game. And to be honest, that means a lot more to me at the moment than you know thinking about the title. Isn't it? 
who knows what might happen there but I'm just enjoying I'm absolutely loving every second of being Spurs at the moment and that to me is all you can ask for at this stage in the season you've suddenly got this back in your life and I mean like I'm not trying to take this to like a completely deep place this is something I've had my entire life it's just you know something I, I'm, I'm someone I'm quite prone to getting like quite a lot of night anxiety night terrors that type of thing it's just I, I don't know whatever I, I probably need to see a therapist but you know don't we all um, and I sometimes it, it, you just need to when you need to like calm yourself down. You, you know that feeling. We all have that sometimes. That anxiety in the middle of the night. You wake up. You look at the clock. It's twelve minutes past three or something like that. And you're like, well, it's far too early to get up and go downstairs and have a cup of coffee or tea or whatever. And do you know what I mean catch up on Gen V or something like that? And it's also like hard to get back to sleep though at that point and I always find like in those sort of moments it's nice to have like a sort of a happy place to escape to and what I've always really had there is spurs like back in the like even when we were crap back in the day I would always kind of one of the things I remember this when I was a kid one of the things I always used to just imagine was spurs winning the FA cup I would always like that was kind of like the height of it right when I at least in the in the sort of 90s early noughties I would always think if I saw Spurs win the FA Cup one day, that would be absolutely amazing, and it would be sort of life complete. Mate, and that's then, so weird because like I've, I've, I basically battled with particularly in school, I kind of battled with insomnia, and I literally did exa- do exactly the same thing. I just lie in bed. One of the things that I do do yeah. when I was a kid as well is I imagine if I'm invisible, how would I? What would I do to help Spurs win the league from being invisible? And like, <laughs> that's one of my scenarios that I go through in my head to try and get fall asleep. But I lit, that is, it's, it's weird. I've never actually heard. I've never actually said that out loud. I've never heard anyone else say it. But when I can't sleep, I just think about Tottenham and I just think, yeah. Like, what would happen if we actually won the league? What would I actually do? Like, yeah, that's crazy. I've never actually heard anyone else admit that before. But I'm glad because I do literally the same thing. My, my point was going to be the past few years, I haven't been able to do that because it's just been this source of like, oh God, yeah. you know? What will I do when the season will end? That's what, that's what it's been. Like. Yeah, exactly. And now suddenly you're sort of back in this place again where it's like, I can just think about Ange Postacoglu. I can think about islands in the stream in my head or angels or do you know what I mean? Like this stupid yeah. stuff, these, but it, it's, and this is why, you know, this is, and I know this sort of, you know, if you talk about this stuff on Twitter, right, you and I know the sort of the, the platform where we, it gets all called twee and all this type of stuff. But football, when people do say that football is just like, oh, it's just a game, it's just, it, it, it just isn't, is it? it? It affects every sort of facet of our lives so much. And like you say, like whether Spurs win the league or not, and I think this is one of those things that maybe only we get, or at least, well, I bet... We say that. Arsenal fans, the past few years, they've changed their tune now. Oh, it doesn't matter that we didn't win the league under Arteta because actually we're enjoying watching our team again. But obviously the rules change when it's Tottenham, isn't it? But whatever, I don't want to talk about them again. I'm just saying that like, you make the point perfectly that whether we win something or not at the end of this, I'm sure we will look back on it and be like, ah, damn, you know, we, we didn't win something. That's annoying. Like we do with... He who shall not be named, um, tenure at Spurs, the Champions League final, all that type of thing. But yeah, I think we didn't enjoy that any less, did we? Like no, I, Amsterdam's one of the best nights of my life ever. And I think I was I was thinking about this just before I came on because I knew it would come up. And I I do think it's it's literally all from Ange. It really, really is. It's about he's a manager that understands the weight of what it means to support Tottenham because we've been told. You know, so often over the last few years, you know, Tottenham is not a serious football club. They're not. They, they don't spend. They don't compete. 
And rather than being aware of the weight of their own salary, he actually understands that to these 60,000 people in the stadium, Tottenham is everything to them. And yeah. and genuinely gets it. He, it's such a cliche thing to say, he gets it, he just gets it, but he really, really does. I don't. I honestly don't believe there's a manager in world football who is as good at understanding what fans are, what the experience of football fans is than Ange. I, don't, I honestly don't think there's anyone in world football who gets that experience and... Um, uh, verbalizes it in press conferences and things as much as him and it's just uh, it's just it's just priceless it really is priceless and I'm, I'm loving every single second of it it's mad like obviously we we always open ourselves up to be hurt again don't we that's that's the thing you know you kind of think he he gets it he knows it um yeah we he... do but you know it's, it's, it's like one of those i'm not really that worried at the moment because say for example we have a we, we fall off a little bit and finish fourth or, or say, you know, something like that. And it's still been a, a fantastic season. It's amazing. Yeah. And the, the, the things that happen at the moment are things that you just won't ever forget, will they? Like the Liverpool game, the sort of, just having that, and I, I know it's, we've already said this, but having that sort of connection to the team again, it doesn't really matter where you end up because if you've got that back, then that's all you really want as a fan because we had it in 2017, 18. We lost it for four years. It's been a miserable four years and we've got it back again. And um, you know, while you've got that connection, it doesn't really matter what happens it'd be great if you win a trophy it'd be great if you won the league but I, I, I mean, to mention Arsenal fans you know I, I do think there's a lot of parallels with what they happened with them last season is what's happened with us this season it's just because they unfortunately did have that connection with their fans and we have got it now so yeah I'm just just taking it for a ride and seeing where it goes but I, I think that connection as long as that connection is there I don't really care where the season ends up because we can't possibly lose but this this is part of it right and it's I think it's a message to Spurs fans now, as opposed to anyone else, is stop policing ourselves. Stop like not allowing people to enjoy this. Oh, don't don't get too big-headed about it now, because in a few months' time, you know, some Arsenal tosser is going to make fun of me about it on Twitter. Who cares? Yeah, they're going mean, to do that anyway. Like nothing has ever been taught over the last few years, other than the fact that it doesn't really matter what anyone else does because Man City win the league. So we might as well just enjoy it while we can, because that's probably going to happen. Um, and you know, but we know what, this, mate. Even if we did, yeah, like, exactly. say Tottenham won the Premier League. Even if we won the, even if we won the double, right? There would be Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans, whatever, saying, "Look how tin pot their celebration was. Look how few fans there are there. Look how tin pot this was." Do you know what I mean? There's always going to. Yeah, they be only won it because KDB was injured, and it's because it was the exactly. year after Trevor and all that kind of thing. They, don't, they yeah. only won it because they got that offside against Liverpool. They only. Do you know what I mean? There's like, there's just, there's always going to be something. You just got to enjoy it. Like, just enjoy the ride. Get on with it. Like, and it's. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, it's, yeah, that's what I'm just trying to do. I'm just trying to enjoy. I'm trying to savor this feeling because, because it's not been there the last few years. I mean, I think the last time I was on this podcast, and I think that this is actually puts it in how context how mad it is. is that the, I think the last time I was on here, we were talking about Kane going, and like it felt <laughs> like the end. We were talking about it being the end of the world, and we because I think we both just seen Oppenheimer, and it felt like the end of the world. And also, it's not really spoken about as much at the moment. We had to navigate. Kane leaving and Pochettino going to Chelsea at the same time and that could have been an absolute disaster in, in many many ways and it's not been at all it's been the absolute opposite of that so to navigate those two two events which could have easily led to us totally crumbling as a fan base um it's absolutely mad and yeah I just feel like you've just got to savor these moments because they don't happen very often in football they don't they don't um and it's Oh, it's glorious, isn't it? Look, you uh, you touched on something now. I just want to ask you, man, as a side note before we segue. 
What would you do if you're invisible to help Spurs win the league this season? So I obviously I've been through this for literally thousands of nights. What I would envisage that I would do is I sort of plant myself on the goal line and then like trip up like Saka as he's through on goal and stuff like that. And just like the refs like, what the hell happened there? And everyone's like, oh, he's dived or something. But no one can actually tell. And I just sort of like boot someone in the back of the back of the heels when they're through on goal. Um, yeah, I, I want to see play that scenario through in my head like thousands of sleepless nights. But basically, just hang around the goal line like rugby tackle people as they're through on goal. We class have like a. Do you remember Bernard's watch back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's got like the power of the spy, space and time, and he ends up just like saving a cat. Doesn't <laughs> 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 yeah, like solve any real problems? Like, yeah, well like, he's like, powerful being in the world, and he just like put a chocolate bar back in the fridge or something. <laughs> Bring back the sandwiches for the church picnic, <laughs> isn't it? Because uh, the naughty badger stole them. Um. Uh, James Madison. All right, Billy. Like, I'm, I'm going to maybe make a, 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 a bold statement here, but I would say, if I'm, if I'm saying one of the best, I'm saying probably top 10. One of the best signings in my lifetime, I would say, that Tottenham have made. On trajectory, yeah, definitely, de- easily. And then, I mean, if, if it carries on the current rate, he could end up in the top three, top five. Could even, you know, if we did, if, I mean, could we, if we did win the league this season, he'd have to, he'd go down as a best, without doubt, like, just would. Like, anyone who sort of caused that to happen automatically goes as our best ever signing. You probably look at, like, Modric, your son, and your bail as maybe up there, in in a, in, in the modern era, anyway, as yeah. the top three signs, would you say? Got to be top three, right? Yeah. So yeah. What, and then he's 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 not far away, is he? He's not already like he's he's winning games like pretty much single handedly. I I would say, without a doubt, he's the best player in the league at the moment on current form. And um, yeah, forty million. It's just it's absolutely mad, isn't it? But I just don't. I'm I'm I don't think I've ever. I know we sort of saw it with Kane, I, I suppose to an extent, but I've never really seen a player, certainly a new player anyway, be this consistent and this good all the time. Like every single game, he's an eight out of ten at least. Um, it's just mad. It's absolutely mad. Invert the wing loves him, doesn't they? Yeah. On current form, though, you probably only who is better than him at the moment on current form? Maybe Bellingham. That's about it, really. If you look at like across the top leagues, who is playing that good week in week out? Like it's just it's not happening anywhere else. I mean, Bellingham is like one, a force of nature, not... isn't he? Like Bellingham's like Ronaldo, Messi levels now. He yeah, is. he is. And then one down from that at the moment is Madison. Like no one else is putting in this kind of performance like consistently. And um, on a side note, by the way, that that guy is like a, some kind of. Speaking of Bernard's watch, I think that guy is some kind of time traveling guy. He's like, do you see, he predicted the score right last night as well. Did he? Did he? He, he does it almost every week as well. Yeah, he's predicting. And he thinks we're going to win the league. So, who am I to disagree with him? He, he who does he think is going to win the league? Us or Arsenal? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm built for that, mate. So if we buy in January, we might win the league. If not, Arsenal will win it. But he's pretty much nailed absolutely every single result and pre-season. He's not a Spurs fan, is he? No, he's, I think he's a Man City fan. He's, I mean, he's he's been consistent with that. He loves Postacoglu, doesn't he? And he loves... Yeah, and he basically said, this is, to be fair to him, this was like before any of the hype sort of kicked in beyond people from like Celtic fans. He was basically saying straight away that Tottenham are going to title challenge without doubt. Like, I'm, I'm 100% certain on that. He said like stuff like, which at the time did sound a bit crazy, but no one else was saying it. Um, he was saying about how your dog is going to be like the perfect inverted fullback and stuff like that, which at the time people were not saying. Um, but yeah, class. But this is a mad thing. Maybe like having a bit of separation from the club, like not being a Spurs fan, not being as close to it, 
you might be able to look at Spurs back then and see all the... Cons- like you were saying, you know, a lot of us, we had a podcast about Harry Kane leaving, being the end of the world, and it felt like a really significant thing. But I guess a lot of people... And it is a significant thing. I'm not going to downplay that. It, it was massive and it is, you know, it's, it's huge. I'm, I'd take him back in January. Like I just would, you know. But anyway, it's, 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 a, it's a different point. I think a lot of people from the outside probably would be able to look at Spurs and think, well, yeah, they, I mean, they've got Basuma. He hasn't done anything under Conte, but he was one of the best midfielders in the Premier League when Tottenham signed him. They've got Pedro Porro, who they've just spent 50 million on, who... Yeah, all right, hasn't, who's come into a team managed by Antonio Conte, hasn't had the best start, but looked absolutely unbelievable under Lisbon. Do you know what I mean? There's all these various different factors to it. If you, if you knew a bit more about Serie A, you would see that Vicario was unbelievable, that Adogi was unbelievable. People would look at somebody like Kulisevsky and say, yeah, he dipped a bit, but he's shown his quality. you got Hummin Son, who... We sort of speak about him there. We speak about him being one of our best ever signings. What was he about? Do we sp- spend about 20 mil on him, I think? For yeah, I think 20, 26, I think it was. I think we, like we did with Kane previously, I think many of us sleep on him and son. Like, actually just how good he is. He's one of, he's one of the club's best ever goal scorers. And it, it's, it's sort of unfortunate for him that he's played alongside Harry Kane, but... I don't really want to put it that way because they were such a good partnership, and they—he's almost—he's almost perfect for this this yeah. exact system as well, hasn't he? As a number nine, I think. I mean, that's that struggle to find a better striker for this system than than Son. That finish last night—I don't know if you saw Sean Walsh said yeah. like my memory said that that was a pretty routine finish. It was an unbelievable goal that opener against Fulham. It was brilliant, you know. I have, I have uh, again. Sorry, I keep getting sidetracked here. But I have another theory that I think Son has got the best ever. 100 Premier League goals like aesthetically then I think he's got the best ever 100 I think you could only you maybe go for like Van Persie or Thierry Henry maybe Rooney if you, if you look if you look at his 100 goals there are so many bangers it's unbelievable it's like almost every single goal is is some kind of incredible finish um I think he's definitely within a shout of having the most aesthetically pleasing 100 goals ever like yeah I mean, his goals was at those two against Arsenal. The second, like the first one was unbelievable. You know, all the talk about nobody can get past Saliba, but Sonny absolutely mugged him and two other Arsenal defenders off with that goal, with that finish, which was unbelievable. But the way for the for the second one, the way he just stroked it into the bottom corner. That was, that's much harder than that. it looked as well. Much harder. Yeah. He's, he's so scored, good at what, it. He must have scored, what, 20, 30 goals outside the area for Tottenham at least? as well it's just yeah there's nothing he can't do brilliant and then but you see him do that and then do you see him in his interview afterwards with like Ben and Rob Daly like when he's just so like yeah you know but it's not about me it's about the whole team yeah I'm I'm the captain I guess but that's just an armband really we've got you know he's he's so humble and it's not this kind of faux humble because you know how there's these weird theories like after the you know the incident with Gomez at Everton and everything like that when People are now like, actually, Son is evil. That that people think he's yeah. somehow like this malevolent, nasty character. And it's like, I think it's um, similar to what we're saying about Ange at the moment. People are so shocked in football when they see like a genuinely nice person, they don't know how to like deal with it and contextualize it. And it's like, I know if if you see Son, who's like one of the nicest people in in the world, let alone in football. And it's like, oh, there must be something wrong with that. It can't can't possibly be like that. Like, no, he he actually is just a he's just a thoroughly nice human being. The, the other thing I love about Madders, like back on him, mate, did you see his tweet after the game or his X? What do we call What are we supposed to call it now? Is it a tweet yeah. or is it an X? 
Does he I get? Think it, I, I don't think that's ever changing, is it? I, I can't. I don't think Elon's ever going to do that. Is it? It's like that that one you shared with me, wasn't it? You know, when everyone was sort of being like, oh, "I'm going to go to Mastodon now," and it's like, "Come on, don't yeah. tell me, don't tell me you're going to re, don't tell me you're ever going to retusk something or whatever it is." In it. <laughs> yeah. um, but Madison, he he tweeted yesterday. Um, he said something like, "Lovely to score a goal in the place I now call home." And there's that picture of him with the up the Spurs flag behind him. And you're just like, like you were saying of Ange, this fella gets it as well. He really yeah, does. And I was speaking to, um, I think I was speaking to Adam Nathan about this yesterday, actually, because it was actually the, uh, I think it was the nine-year anniversary of Lamella's goal yesterday. And um, he did a tweet as well, didn't he, saying, oh, you know, good luck tonight, Spurs. I miss. And actually, it, it kind of brings full circle. There's a few, a few examples of this from this game, actually. Um but it's quite rare when a player gets it like that. And we were saying it's so easy to do, to put out tweets like that and just, you know, say like, oh, come on, you Spurs. And like just Madison, like calling us the Lily Whites and stuff like that. Just a tiny little touch like that, which just automatically just wins you over the fan base. And like Lamella. And then I don't know if you saw the, also the video from last night of Sandro dancing. Like there's, you can sort of pick out these players from our history that really get it with the fans. Yeah. And Madison has become one very, very quickly after like nine games or whatever. You have like, you know, like your Lamellas, your Van der Vaarts, your Sandros, these sort of massive fan favorites but the thing that gets me is it's so easy to do i don't really understand why more players don't do it like it's real football fans we're all so easy to win over you just have to sort of you know we've seen it with arsenal in the, in the past when they you know danny rose was talking about how they sort of they're, they're so loud on twitter and stuff like that but it, it does win fans over and it's really really easy to to just sort of do things which enamor you to a fan base but madison just does it all the time he's just I, I can't think of many players because a lot of the players that we mentioned before, the sort of the Modric's and the Bales and the Sons, they were sort of a gradual, gradual sort of a gradual force into like becoming the legends that they are at Tottenham. It didn't, it didn't happen overnight. Madison has just happened overnight straight away, almost from his first. And Van der Vaart was kind of similar as well, but it just happens so quickly. And he's just, he's just an absolute fan favorite already. I mean, he's, I mean, the other thing about Madison is, right. He's obscene. Like he's so he's so much better than I thought he was. I didn't I I didn't realize he was as good as this. Like I, I knew that I th- he's a cla- I I say I've seen, I'm sure you've, you've said this on on before. But you sort of when you watch like Leicester highlights of match today, he'd score like a few bangers. Yeah, yeah, free kick or something like that, and it'd be great. But you don't see like what he does on and off the ball. Like he's so skillful. He's got such a good passing range. But the thing for me is, he works so hard as well. He's such an amazing presser. Yeah. The, the the funny thing is because the the sort of the the comparison that's always made is with Ericsson, but the thing is with him, you sort of mentioned Van der Vaart. I see shades of Van der Vaart in there. I definitely see shades of Ericsson in there. But there's even like a bit of Modric in there. The way he carries the ball, the way he kind of, I feel like he sort of glides along the pitch. Quite short as well. He's, yeah, he's a lot shorter than I thought he was as well. He's yeah, definitely. Um, and I th- there's no sort of better comparison when you compare someone to Christian Ericsson. There's not really. If you're a Premier League midfielder, there's not really many better comparisons than that, are there, considering what he did for Tottenham. But I think we finally sort of replaced him um, a long, long time after. But it's just that having that, just having someone on the ball that you just know every time they get it, something good is going to happen. And it's been a long time since we've had that kind of midfielder, literally since Ericsson. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I mean, mate, he's almost like you could, you could say he's almost becoming our like Kevin De Bruyne. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And in terms of he's that important to the team and he's hopefully going to be that good. Um, I saw someone, yeah, because I saw someone tweet yesterday. Um, I can't believe Tottenham signed Madison for 40 million. I think he improves every team in the league bar City. And I think he improves City right now. I really do. Yeah. Like, they're not, they're not firing at the moment as much as they have been in previous seasons. I think he would, I think he would play for Man City at the moment. He'd get into their team and he'd improve it for sure. He absolutely would. I love that. Uh, the funny thing is, though, you know, because a lot of this does seem to be spreading. Like, apparently Grealish, what was he like? He was singing, like, a doggy chants and stuff with Madison after the England game. you got Jude Bellingham, who is pretty much liking... He's he's liking various different sort of Spurs updates and tweets from Madison and all this type of stuff. Like, there's obviously something there. Like, these lads know that he's a good player. I mean, they obviously get on with him because he's a good bloke and I think they've all got their kind of little kind of drippy garms club don't they as well like these footballers yeah where they get these like random little influencers to find them kind of exclusive like product drops from supreme and bathing ape and all that type of stuff but they they're all obviously mates and they all have is obviously have a sort of level of respect for him it's weird that southgate doesn't seem to be able to get it to work with madison but that's just how it is for some players at international level like there's yeah, a system think, well, on that yeah on that as well so i think it's a real shame because um I think Deli Ali and Madison are, are really good mates. They've got, they got matching tattoos. I know that for sure. Really? They call themselves the Avengers and they've, they've both got Avengers tattoos. There's a few, I think there's a couple in that group. I think there's like Chilwell, Deli and Madison. I would just, you'd just love to have seen Deli Ali and Madison playing together for Tottenham, wouldn't you? It would have been, it would have been unbelievable. Never say never, mate. Never say yeah. never. Not too, not too late. Not too late. Not too late. Um, I mean, he's just, he is, he's ridiculous and he is emblematic of a lot of, what's going on at Spurs right now in terms of quality, but belief as well. And I, I quite like that Madison is, because I, I did kind of, I'll, I'll be honest, like when him and Romero got made the vice captains, I did have that little bit of like, ooh, I don't know about that, but hey-ho sort of thing. And you totally get it now. You totally see it because the vice captaincy, along with having a, a quality partner in, in Van der Ven, has definitely made Romero grow up a bit, I would say. Oh, mate, he was he was absolutely outstanding last night. This whole season again, oh, mate. Really? Like he's, yeah. he's, he's he's such a titan, you know. He's right, it's just that this again, and this is what Ange always seems to be able to do: just a small thing and getting it right, and has ended up been turning into a big thing. Just yeah. to, just giving him a little tiny bit of extra responsibility. It's like I know again, I, I know you were talking about this the other day. I was speaking about it as well. When Basuma was late for the first training or something like that, and he said, you know, 
Um, I've got a big hopes for you this season. I, you know, you, you can't be turning up late for training if you if you're going to be this player that I want you to be. And that's problem solved. And then Basuma's gone on to have a fantastic season. And just he just he just gets all these little tiny decisions really really right. And putting Romero as vice captain has been. He's a completely different player this season. He really, really is. And, and even even in the little things like social media and stuff like that, every game he's sort of tweeting about it. I mean, he, he actually, let, what did he, he went off in an Argentina game to come back to Spurs, which was like unheard of, absolutely unheard and of. And said it as well, didn't he? He said, I've yeah. got an important game against Spurs, so I wanted to come off. For, for Spurs, so I wanted to come off. Yeah, and you, you can't take those things for granted because they're the things which are really, really difficult. But for Postacoglu, they're really, really easy. Like these tiny little decisions that have a big, big waves into your football team. And um, I just, ah, oh, some of his tackling, because well, I'm, I'm in the south side, I didn't really see it um, in the flesh. But that when he went on that marauding run in the first half and then put Kulisewski through, that was unbelievable. Like that's a sort of Ericsson like through ball that he pulled out the locker as well. He's just... Yeah, I think he's been exceptional this he's season. He's mad that wasn't because he. I think he he made that sort of marauding run, didn't he? And then he realised turned back on himself, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't have anyone to pass to, so he thought, "Oh fuck it, all right, I'll just thread it through the eye of a needle and you know <laughs> play this incredible pass." But he's got that. He's such a good, and it, this is such. A, it sounds like such a redundant point to make, but he's such a good footballer. If you get what I mean, like yeah, he really is. Just technically brilliant. The way he can sort of pass it about for for what is uh, you know this kind of raging bull centre back that runs about and gets stuck in um he's he's actually such a technically gifted player as well i mean he's he's brilliant i mean i'm sure people would talk a lot about kind of you know growing up on the streets of argentina playing football in cages and all that type of stuff it probably does make players different but he's uh he's i don't know he's a he's a, he's a brilliant player and it it, it all roads seem to lead back to Ange, though, don't they? Um, most yeah, and I think will start from a new Premier League manager. I've, I've got to mention as well. Do you see that confirmed as well? Yeah, and I think you know what if if we're actually going to be serious about challenging for the title, like we've got this Postecoglou system, which has been incredibly successful elsewhere, but no one really gave it a chance in the Premier League. But what if, like, there's just like the situation where we've got this incredible system. It's been successful everywhere. And actually now, now that he's in the Premier League, playing with players who are better than any of the players he's ever played with before, without doubt. You know, he's never, you know, at Celtic, he's never had a player as good as Madison or anyone anywhere near that kind of level. What if we've just now just suddenly got like the, the best possible players for this system? Because if you look at our 11, and I, I think the only thing which is ever going to let us down is the players that are not in the 11, which we saw a little bit of that last night. But like, he's got two incredible centre-backs that are amazing at playing football. He's got, Inverted fullbacks who no one really thought were inverted fullbacks, but they've actually turned out to be two fantastic inverted fullbacks. The midfield is as good as any in the league. You've got Son as a striker who's perfect for the system. Like, what about if we've actually just ended up with some of it by chance, some of it by design, with like the perfect players for a perfect system? And if that works, then maybe we could, you know, who knows what we could do? Oh, mate, mate, it's. <sighs> He's never had, he's, you know, he's won everywhere he's been, but he's never had a player like Romero. He's never had an, an international Argentina defender. Like, maybe this, maybe Postacoglu is genuinely like one of the great managers of the game. And we've just now given him some of the best players in the world. And this I, is what I, I, honestly, I know it sounds like early, but I genuinely am starting to feel that way about him. Like, you, do you know yeah. what I mean? When we're talking about in 20 years' time, the guy who came up from Australia was ridiculed every kind of stretch along the way even and you know there's a lot of Celtic fans right who do all this kind of we told you he was good you look real complaining as well when you hired yeah. him do you yeah. know what I mean like so like, if, it, if it was 
if it was like a, a sort of 35 year old German manager from the Bundesliga that was doing this, he would be heralded as the next Pep without a doubt, wouldn't he? Yeah. I think because, and he talks about himself a lot because he's come from Australia. That's a big thing because he's, you know, he's quite old. That's a big thing because he's never managed in a, a top five league in Europe. That's a big thing. Um, but maybe this is just like we give him one of the actual best minds in football, an incredible team to work with, and this is what's going to happen as a result of it. Maybe this is just this is now like his masterpiece, and it's going to really show everyone. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Just, uh, just how good is Giuliano Vicario, mate? Oh, mate. So I was, so I sit, I sit right behind the goal, literally front, second from front row behind the goal. And that save that he made in the first half, because I've watched it a couple of times on TV, but actually seeing it right in front of me, where it's like you could feel like you could you could get a, a weight of the actual the reaction time from the header to the goal. I was like, that's a goal. That's a, it's a literal. And then in the, in the space of half a second, he somehow managed to go full stretch and get a hand to it and save it. It's, it's one of the best saves I've ever seen in my life in the flesh. And um, he's just he's absolutely brilliant. And there's a couple of other things as well. It's like. When he's coming for crosses and catching him and stuff. And if you actually watch him during the game, so I know a friend of ours, Rosa, has got this amazing photo where he's like, he's basically on the halfway line during the game. But he actually, he's always shouting at defenders and stuff as well. He's like, he's constantly like telling them where to go and what to do with the football and stuff. He's like a proper vocal. It's just, he's an outstanding goalkeeper. And I, I know you said yesterday, um, you wouldn't swap him for anyone other than Alisson. And I, I completely agree with that, I think. There's very few players in world football that I'd swap him for at the moment, which is mad to say. We, you know, it's a sort of a random pickup from Empoli that we got. I mean, that's that's it, isn't it? And I only say that of Allison because I reckon Allison is, if not the best keeper ever, one of, and is definitely the best keeper in world football nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. he's he's obscene. So that's kind of that's the point I'm making. But you know vibes the fact that he is again like madison he seems like a proper tottenham man as well vicario like he seems like he's yeah, fully he really does and loving it he really really does and it's just like again it's just little things like the way that he talks about the club and stuff like that you just want players that want to be here don't you like we've had so yeah. many players managers that don't want to be here and have made that very clear and vocal and press conferences and things so when you get players that actually you know again it all comes back to what we've been told over the last few years at tottenham or you know they're not someone that's going to compete um, they don't spend money. They're not ambitious. But when you get a player like Vicario, who sees Tottenham as like this is the the peak of the mountain for him, like he's dreamt of being at this club. And people like Udogi say the same as well. It's, it makes a big, big difference to getting the fans on side. Tottenham is his sort of is the peak of his mountain rather than a stepping stone to something better. Like you, you know, you can't hate on him too much because whatever we've done these conversations is is boring and everything. But. I guess now the dust settled on it, you can you can see really why you know the club's best player in Harry Kane, pretty much always been linked away from the club, never really speaking about as that. You know, he, he, the last couple of years really, pretty much ever since the Man City thing, he's never spoke really been that glowing about Tottenham. Has never really kind of engendered this feeling that we're all in it together. And I don't think that's revising history at all. And I understand that I'm sure there are promises that have been broken off the pitch and all that type of stuff. My point is purely, it's not an attack on Kane as a person, but it's that obviously hasn't helped at all because we're seeing now that that kind of cloud is gone. The cloud of Conte has gone as well. And there's a few other sort of players like Larice has kind of been jettisoned now. I don't really know what his energy was like towards the end of his time there, but the fact he's nowhere to be seen near the team anymore suggests that probably the relationship isn't great there. Um, 
it does just feel fresh. It feels new. It feels like, like you say, everybody wants to be here and everybody is loving what we're doing, right? Yeah, and it's only really Son as a kind of token of that that era now. And um, because he's like, and Ben said this in his interview of him last night, it, if Son feels different this year, doesn't it? It doesn't feel the same. It's not like, it's not the same Son that we've seen in the last few years. It's a complete, it's like he's sort of like powered up from being captain. He's yeah. not a captain, like he's not one of those captains, you know, like your John Terry's that sort of shout and, you know, you know go full into tackles and all this kind of stuff he's a very different sort of captain but he's a i think he's a great captain he's sort of and again he's not kane in the way that he doesn't lead by example in the way that kane did it's just i don't know there's just something about him which makes him a fantastic captain i think it's sort of i think it's probably the way that he sort of is really good friends with everyone in the team like his sort of vibe of him. and it's brilliant and I, on that note one of the one of the things that made me, it made me upset a little bit but i do think it's necessary i think what we have needed for a long time it's for those sort of the sort of remnants of the Pochettino era had had to go, and we've been saying it a lot, is that maybe we won't. And he even said it himself in the painful rebuild thing. Until all of that is sort of cleared away, which is now what we've actually seen. I think there's ten of the eleven players now, and we're not under Pochettino, who are sort of new players, and it's only Son that remains. But one thing that did upset me, but I think it is necessary, unfortunately, is that Eric Dyer video the other day. Oh, that's horrible. Like, oh, you don't need to film me, mate. It's all right. That really did break my heart, but why at the same time, why did they put it out? Why did yeah, they put it out? Why did they put it? But at the same time, I do think we had to clear all the decks of those lot because it just it was, and, and weirdly Kane is included in that. We did have to clear the decks because we wouldn't see the sort of freshness that's getting us through these games now until we did. But, um, but it didn't know, that's what that's what Poch did at the start of his, wasn't it? He got rid of yeah. Sandro, Lennon, these types of players. Do you know what I mean? That we loved. You know, just because we're playing well now, it doesn't change the fact that we, and obviously he's at Chelsea, it doesn't change the fact that those are brilliant times and they always will yeah. be and they're, not, they're never going to be taken away from us. Did he... But I do think we had to get rid of the, all of that sort of stuff. It's a lot of baggage, isn't it? I think we had to get rid of a lot of the baggage to be able to see what we're seeing right now. Did Poch been off Defoe as well? I can't remember Defoe ever playing. I can't really remember. I can't remember. Did he have, had, did he have had a by all? I can't remember the strikers that he had when he first came. I can't really remember, to be honest. Um, that might be. So I'll tell you what was a fun the other day. Oh uh, yeah, I saw one the other day that was like um, one of his old lineups, and it was Dembele starting alongside Scott Parker in midfield. And that to me is two totally different eras. I can't really. Yeah, I can't think I, about those two playing together. You know. I did not realize that Scott Parker ever played on the Pochettino either. That's yeah, that's weird to me. Right. It's a it's a it's a funny one. Um, speaking of midfielders. I see that you are also a fan of uh, Papi Matassar, mate. And madly enough, some people just aren't. And I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Because to I me, was, the kid's yeah. unbelievable. He was, he was brilliant yesterday, I thought. There was that thing where he sort of... I think my, the, the biggest thing I like about him is how in, incredibly industrial he is. But there was that thing, I think it was in the second half, where he like, he's all over the pitch all the time, this guy. But... He sort of ran miles and then did an incredible defensive header to go out for a corner. It's like, this guy is just so, he gives absolutely everything for this football club. And I understand that he, you know, he can make the odd mistake and he, you know, he might not always be tracking runners and he might all sometimes be a bit loose of the football and stuff, but he's 21 years old and he is, and what I really, really like about him is he had a, was it, was it the Luton game, I think, where he had a pretty poor first half, I think, was it the Luton game or was it the Liverpool game, one of the two? And I think um, Luton, yeah, I think Luton, he started. Yeah, Bistuma got sent off and he, 
upped his game in the second yeah, half. Yeah. Like he kind of rose to the challenge. I just really like his mentality. And I think yesterday, again, without, with Basuma's absence, he was thought, right, this is my job now because Hoybier is not the kind of midfielder that Basuma is. We're going to get about the pitch as much and sort of do the stuff that Basuma does. So Saar, I think, in both the instances where we've lost Basuma, I think Saar's upped his game, which I think says a lot about his mentality. I, I absolutely love the kid. I think he's, I think he's got a massive future ahead of him. I just, I, yeah, I just love his, his personality, his sort of temperament. He's just a fantastic player. You see that clearing header he did towards yeah. the end of the game. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And that's the kind. And that's like this guy runs and runs and runs, and like that was in like what the, was that like the 80th minute or something like that. And it's just, I'd love to know the distance that this guy covers on a football pitch. It's, it's mad. What I was banging on about last night that I just want to bang on about again is one of the things I really do like about him is that he always. It, it seems to be even when Basuma's on the pitch, it tends to be him who is the player that would drop back and be the option for the defenders to be able to pass the ball out to. Yeah, yeah. obviously it's in the system, isn't it, I think, but yeah, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really know the, I'm not really the most tactical guy, but he always seems to be in like the right back position quite a lot and like always sort of, yeah, he's, he's the first man who gets the ball after defence or something, but yeah, yeah, he's just... And he could just carry it so well though. Yeah. He always carries the ball out of danger and get, you know, starts our attacks basically, or starts at least our ascension towards you know the the what is it the <laughs> the field tilt, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> fucking field tilt. <laughs> Never heard any single fan that mentioned that word other than Arsenal fan. <laughs> fucking field tilt. But isn't it? It's, it must be like an NFL term or something. I don't even. I honestly don't. I don't particularly even know what it is, but, but I just see Arsenal fans talking about it all the time. I think it's basically essentially which side, whose side of the pitch you're playing on. You know, like, so if, if we contain most of the action in the opposition half, we're sort of winning the field tilt, I guess. Don't forget, even though they drew against Chelsea, their field tilt was, field tilt was 82.5%. Yeah. Well, did you see that tweet today? Did you see the tweet today where he was saying, like, uh, this Arsenal fan had got, like, the, you know... The, the XG. Two, yeah. yeah, the 2-0 Fulham Spurs and the 2-2 Arsenal. He's saying, like, but one of these is apparently a plucky, a plucky, I don't know... Like what does he, he said he said he was like the entertainers versus Arteta who's made us worse. Yeah. <laughs> the entertainers that, that, get, we won, mate. Right. Funny thing about that is they had a penalty in that game, which is automatically massively inflates your XG. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 Fulham play with ten men. Right. It's I don't know. It's funny. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you know we we started the pod with all the can we will we, but it's really it's like I've I likened it before to three lines. You know, it's coming home because it's really starting to to rattle other people. Like it's really I, annoying. And, and I have to admit as well, I think there's so many parallels to last season. It's unbelievable. It's weirdly similar. Is that every time Arsenal winning last week, I was doing the same thing. I was doing exactly the same thing. I was saying, oh, they haven't played anyone good yet. Wait till they get to January or something like this. And they just kept winning and winning and winning. And it was only really, let's be honest, pretty much all of us thought they were actually going to do it. At that yeah, time. yeah. And every, I was doing exactly the same thing. And I think the fact that they're doing it about us is only a good thing because we do it naturally as football fans. You just... You just want to think that oh no they you know they haven't played anyone yet. I remember that they won they were similar to us last season, weren't they? They won like seven of the first eight games or something like that. So you know oh, they haven't had anyone tricky yet. They haven't you know they've got a terrible run in Christmas and then there's the World Cup and all this. So, you know they're going to lose all these players to the World Cup, but they just they just keep winning and winning and winning. And I just think if we're in that headspace with them already and we're only seven you know nine games into the season, I think that can only be a good thing about how good that we actually are. Oh, mate. Um, a quick shout out just in general, because we've sort of spoken about it, but just our defence, mate, as a unit, you know? And I think you said it, didn't you? And it was like, I would say, what have we done to deserve this defence? 
but I know exactly what it is. It's having to suffer through years of shit, isn't it, right? Yeah, and it's really weird because I, th- I think I, you, you look at Conte and Mourinho, who were two of the best defensive managers of all time, but they just couldn't really get... I know Conte did for a brief period, but they just couldn't get the defence right. And you'd think that having like... When we played in the Conte, we had five across the back and then two massively just defensive midfielders. And we never really, especially last season anyway, we did not look, ever look solid. But now we've got four four defenders and they're all a bit mad and attacking right, in, their, in their sort of, in their, in their instincts. But we look really, really solid at the back. It's really strange. I know when we had those pre-season games at the beginning, everyone's like, oh, you know, they're going to win. They're going to win every game 6-5 and all this stuff. We were all thinking about that. But we've had, I think we've got the most clean sheets in the league and we just look so solid. And I th- again, it's going to that, that point of what if we actually just have the perfect players to fit this incredible system? It's just, you know, Van de Ven. There's that moment last night where I, some, I can't remember even who it was. It might have been William. Went through on goal for, for like a split second. And Van de Ven just covered him straight away and like got back. I think he had like a 10, 10 foot head start on Van de Ven, but Van de Ven massively cleared it up. It's just, what about if these are actually just the four perfect players for the system? And it's just sort of, by design, it's just perfect. Because I haven't seen us look this defensively solid since, you know, the Poch days. And, um, yeah, when we when you consider we've got the back four and they're all really exciting players, you know, they're not, they're not your typical defenders. They're all very exciting. It's just, yeah, it's amazing to see. It's mad. It, it is mad. Um, I think they're obviously the only worry is if what happens if one of them gets injured because they're absolutely fucked. Yeah, I mean, that is the big thing, isn't it? Yeah, Van der Ven or Romero gets injured our season very quickly changes. I mean, but, well, just, but then maybe Ashley Gillis is class. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> lot, like, they just make each other so much better, don't they? They're just such a... And that's so crazy when you think about it. They've, they literally just got thrown together really never haven't played together and even from the Brentford game they've just been brilliant and um yeah I just when you think that Mickey van der Ven is like what 21 he's never played in the Premier League he's he's genuinely going to be one of the very very best defenders in the world as Romero already is so yeah it's, it's crazy they both seem to be wired in quite a, in a similar way and the way I would say that is like as blokes they seem quite scary do you know yeah. what I mean they seem like quite kind of no chill they're not really there for like fun and games I love this thing that they do whenever they make one of them make Poro is mad for it. Poro in particular is mad for it. Like when someone makes like a tackle or something, they go crazy and start celebrating like a goal. And um, yeah, I just love love seeing it. I think I think you can argue as well that Poro was man of the match last night. He was, yeah, he was, he was brilliant, brilliant well. wasn't he? Brilliant. Someone that I thought was pretty much struggled under Conte. And I thought when we signed him, we had that Leicester game. I don't know if you remember. Um, probably playing against James Madison at the time, actually. And um, he looked he looked terrible. <laughs> he looked awful. But it's just, it just shows you what having a coach can do because I can't really think of many. I know there's been the odd couple, but I can't think of many occasions where Poros look like, oh no, he's shaky defensively again. He's just been brilliant. And um, I just think it, it all shows the power of having a good coach. I can't unsee how much he looks like Bardi, though. That's the thing with Poros. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Every time I watch him, I'm like, why is this, why is this being ruined for me? Uh, <laughs> Um, look, it's, it's all been it's all been very positive. I think the only the only dimmer on this, and maybe this is my agenda, all that type of thing. But I'm just I'm interested in canvassing opinions on this one. Um, there was a lot of talk last night about Richarlison pressing well, and you know he did provide the assist for Son, but it's a bit of a Tom Carroll to Gareth Bale assist. I'm you know, I'm going to be honest, like in my assessment of that, I feel. Um, 
Yeah, I think it was actually. I think Van de Ven was better for that goal than Richarlison was when he won the ball back and fired it across. Do Do you think we're getting a bit soldado with him, mate? Are we sort of sort of clutching at straws with him? Is he Is he good enough for us? Is that me being harsh? Do you know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't quite know yet because I, I I really want it to come good for him. I actually I really like him. He's clearly a, a nice bloke. Um, I like his energy, but I just. <sighs> Every time I watch him now, I just feel like he kind of looks like his touch is pretty heavy. He sort of doesn't get into the right positions when he does kind of get half a chance to have a goal. Like last night, he skied it over the bar. You know, it's just... it. He, he hasn't seemed to like kick on from that Sheffield United goal at all, which I, I think many of us were hoping he might do. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really difficult one because I, I absolutely love Richardson. I love him as a person. I love him as a personality. You know, when he sort of came out with that thing that he's struggling with, I think that, you know, it's fantastic, the bravery to do that. Um, but I just think if you are serious, if, we, if we're actually going to become a title comp- competing team with Man City and Arsenal over the next three years, if you if you want to be a consistently title challenging team, which is a crazy thing to say that Postacoglu could actually do turn us into that. And do you want Richarlison to be playing for you next season and the season after? And the answer is unfortunately probably a no. But I, I just... It's just, I just don't think he's quite got the the ruthlessness that you need if you want to be seriously competing for league titles, um, and that's you know it's unfortunate, but I just, I just don't think he's ever gonna. He doesn't seem to be able to that he's going to get that sort of ruthlessness, clinicalness that you need if you really, really want to be you know competing with someone like Man City. And um, what I do think though is that obviously Postecoglou. Our biggest thing yesterday was like our pressing was absolutely incredible, and he is a, an exceptional presser. And maybe you could argue that that's what his role is in the team, and maybe that is enough to justify him playing. But I just feel like if you re- if you want to actually get over a line against Manchester City, who are the, the biggest force of modern football history, um, if you actually do want to do that, then you, you're going to have to upgrade on Richardson somewhere down the line. And I just think if he continues this way this summer, I think he's going to have to be sold, to be honest, because. I just think if we get like a proper class left winger, then we'll see a much much better team because he's just he's just not adding the goals that we need him to add. Because this is the interesting thing, because this sort of leads into the question of who is it that like what what do we replace? You know, do we feel that we've got Johnson, Kulisevsky, maybe Brian Hill that can make a case? Are we sort of covered in the wider areas? Do we need another like number nine to back Son up? Because I I I've got to say now, this point in his career, whatever I. I like Son in the number nine role. I don't want to see him relegated back out to the left wing. No, I think he's he's absolutely made for it, isn't he? Yeah, so, so that's, I'd almost hate to see it. And people would be like, oh, you don't see it. But I'd hate to see a sign someone like Ivan Tony, really, because I sort of Listen, think... Yeah, the way Ange plays as well, Son is made for it, isn't he? Like Tony, I don't think, would sort of... He's more like Kane, more. isn't he, really? Yeah, he's, he is more like a Kane. I think you need someone who's going to run in behind. And like I, know, I remember Nathan was talking about this a lot, like with... Um, Celtic, is it Kyogre? They got as a striker. He has the yeah. fewest touches of any striker in SPL under Ange. And it's like you have to be a, a certain striker to be able to do that mentally as much as anything else. And Son is an extremely strong player mentally. Whereas Richarlison, I think, it, when he was playing in the centre forward role and getting like 10 touches a game, it, it got way into his head. And I think, I just think, again, I keep saying this today, I think Ange has landed the perfect player for that system. And I wouldn't want to sort of risk it with anyone. So I think what I would like to see. 
is another really, really quality winger coming because I think we've got some decent wingers. I think Kudaseski is, is an exceptional winger. Yeah. Um, didn't think he had the, the best game of M product last night, but I think if we can upgrade someone in the, in the wing position to get like a, unfortunately, you know, like Doku has been for Man City, who looks unbelievable. If we've got that kind of level player, I think that's what we need to sort of go up to the next level. It's funny because we've been linked with that Jota lad who's sort of yep. fallen out with his Saudi club. And I've seen a bit of debate as to whether or not he's actually good enough for, for Tottenham. Um, I think it was actually Nathan as well um, that was debating it. And that one is a free transfer as well. I mean, it'd be, it'd be hard not to, wouldn't it, really? Oh, would it be a free transfer? Oh, okay. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. really... I really like the look of Pedro Neto at the moment. I don't know about you, but I think he's yeah. unbelievable. But I can just—I'm really, really worried that he's going to go to Arsenal. Cause I know this is my thing. I'm—I I'm, thought maybe City, but I guess they did get yeah. Doku, didn't they? But get him. That would be—that um, would be. If you—if you're again, keep going back to this point. If you're genuinely serious about wanting to win the league, that's the kind of signing that we need, like a Pedro Neto, to really just sort of kick on in January, rather than sort of just sort of hope that we sort of muddle through. We have to get like we have to reinvest in January to go even further, um, as we saw the Arsenal kind of do. Neto's a hundred million pound player now, right? I mean, can Arsenal yeah. even do that? This financial fair play, this. Yeah. I, I I read that Wolves are in a bit of trouble though as well financially, so maybe, maybe it's doable. I mean, he is a ridiculous player, isn't he? He is a ridiculous player. Um, look, I mean, I guess just to coming towards the end of this, Bill, just some, some sort of closing thoughts. Crystal Palace ahead of us, you know, we're all getting very excited, but Crystal Palace is, uh, you know, it's a tough place to go, as uh, Dan Lowe and Tim Grigg used to say. Um, and what happens, you know, we're talking about going five points clear. What happens if Roy Hodgson's team get the better of us, that Spurs do go and lose that? Does that pop the balloon? Does that pop the optimism of the... Are we no longer islands in the stream? How are you feeling about that, mate? If if we don't get that result against Palace on Friday, um, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't say it would pop the balloon. I, I, it's going to have to happen soon, right? We can't just keep going unbeaten. Like it's it's going to come at some point. And then what I really don't want to happen is to be the Chelsea game. It's the one that we lose the first loss. As long as that doesn't happen, I don't really mind. But I, I think it's it's a tough game on Friday, isn't it? Like I know apparently they're without Olise and Eze, who are their two best players. So. I just feel like if we if we did win that game, then that would be such a big step for us because it would be five points clear going into the weekend. It's an away game. It's on a Friday night, straight after playing on a Monday. Uh, and I seem to say this every game at the moment, but this is a real, real test for us now. And if we did win that one, then then we have to really start to think about this as being maybe we could, maybe we could. But will we? Could we? Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to beat him. And we're going to be five points clear this weekend. And then, what, Invincible, maybe? The whole season? Which, you, you know, I, you I win today that we, have, we have more points in the Invincibles out at this stage in the season. <laughs> they were anyway. They drew like 15 games or something, didn't they? Fuck that. I mean, they're frauds. The Invincibles team is frauds. Exactly, like you say. You know, they can draw like 15 games in the season. Nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. Um... Tottenham Invincible, Tottenham double winners. That's that's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Could happen as well. It could happen.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.